Hey everybody, welcome back into the Fantasy Minute. I'm your host, Addison. Um, today, I got something a little bit cool for you guys. Um, this is kind of a different original uh, thing that I'm going to try out today. I haven't really heard any other podcasts really do this. Um, but I'm going to take a look at some underrated um, Dynasty players. And I'm going to formulate that into a roster. So what I'm going to try to do, I'm going to have eight starters. Um, a quarterback, uh, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, and then a flex, which is going to be a super flex. So actually for this one, it's just going to wind up being two quarterbacks. Um, so all ADP data that I reference um, is from Dynasty Football Factory's May Superflex ADP, um, since this is regularly a super flex. And I tried to structure it um, kind of how an actual lineup would be, so I didn't really make it too top heavy. I didn't um, go with a lot of um, buy low players that you would find later. I try to get it so that you have your standard um, RB1, RB2, wide receiver 1, wide receiver 2, um, stuff like that. So um, it's just players that I feel the Dynasty community is uh, lower on as a whole, um, players that are underrated, um, maybe buy lows depending mostly by lows, um, depending on where their ADP is and stuff like that. Um, so uh, I hope you guys enjoy this kind of new new twist on underrated by low type of players. Um, so to kick things off, um, as a quarterback for the, uh, it'll be the regular quarterback one, um, my underrated player is Matthew Stafford. Um, currently, he's going as the Superflex quarterback 14 overall. Um, it's kind of amazing to me that he's he's going as the QB 14, though it doesn't really... Um, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense given the players above him, but he is currently going below players like Carson Wentz, um, Cam Newton, Dak Prescott, um, players like that, um, that I would certainly take Matthew Stafford over at least for um, the next few years I can see the dynasty lore there but um, if you any of you guys are familiar with anything I'm uh, I'm not in it for the 10-year haul I'm in it for the three to five year haul but regardless I still feel like Matthew Stafford um, is still a quality dynasty player he's only 29 years old um, he's on a pass heavy offense and he's consistently been uh, a 4,000 plus yard passer um, basically every single year that he's been in the league and most of that's attributed with his uh, pairing with Calvin Johnson um, but last year he succeeded um, just as well without Calvin Johnson if I pull up his stats here real quick uh, last season he passed for 4,300 yards and 24 touchdowns 10 interceptions and that's an actually an ongoing thing with Matthew Stafford is the high touchdown to interception ratio um, 2015, 32, 13, 2014, 22, 12, 2013, 29, 19. Like it's consistently been um, high touchdowns with low interceptions. Um, and then he's consistently above 4,000 yards, uh, hit 5,000 yards in 2011, 2012. Um, so it's almost like a poor man's Drew Brees, if you want to say that. And you can get him as the QB 14 currently right now. Um, Last season, between weeks one through six, he was the QB two. <laughs> now I know that's only for six weeks out of the year, but still, he was the quarterback two overall behind only Matt Ryan, and everybody's now freaking out over Matt Ryan. Um, but he finished overall 2016 as the QB seven. 
Um, he was noticeably slowed down by a finger injury at the end of last year. Um, and you can see that in his game log where it kind of hit. Um, he went through a couple games where he didn't even throw a touchdown. So um, he kind of hurt you there if you started him. But overall, quarterback seven, weeks one through six, he was a QB two. And even through um, before the hand injury, he was still a top seven, top eight quarterback. Um, this season, he is uh, adding on Amir Abdullah, who's coming back off of the season-ending injury last year, who's a pass-catching option out of the backfield. Um, Kenny Galladay, the really um, beloved, I guess, rookie coming in, uh, he's six foot four, so he's going to be taking the the big receiver role uh, that was kind of left by Calvin Johnson's early retirement. Uh, many people are already dubbing him Babytron, so I'd love to see how that goes. Uh, I'm actually a huge Galladay fan myself, but those are the two two weapons that come in to add to, to Stafford's arsenal on top of Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Eric Ebron, Theo Riddick. These guys are already premier options in the passing game. Um, and I did mention that he's only 29 years old, so um, a player who is going outside the top 10 in quarterbacks, but is consistently inside the top 10 as a 29-year-old, um, I think that's a that's an underrated dynasty quarterback right there. Now to keep it in the in the quarterbacks, um, the super flex option um, that I have is um, <laughs> all right. I'll, I guess I'll start off this way. What if I told you you could get a top 10 fantasy quarterback who is currently out going outside the top 20 in quarterback ADP? And yes, I'm talking about Blake Bortles. <laughs> I know, I know, I know he's gross. I know um, he might be losing his job after this year. He's coming off a terrible year last year and everything, but hear me out for a second. Blake Bortles last year finished as the QB9, I believe. Hold on, I can pull that up real quick. QB9. Um, anyway, he was the definition of garbage time quarterback, which everybody knows. Yes, QB9. Finished with 270 fantasy points, only 0.8 points behind Tyrod Taylor, QB8. And actually, only 9 points behind Matthew Stafford. So that tells you what kind of quarterback that he is right now. Um, there's reasons for hope coming into the 2017 season for Blake Bortles. He's only 25 years old. Um, the Jaguars um, added Tom Coughlin to their management. Now Doug Maroney is the uh, head coach now, uh, after being bumped up from offensive coordinator. Maroney actually has quite the um, reputation with elite quarterbacks. He was the offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints in 2006 through 2008. Um, so he is the man responsible uh, in part for the Drew Brees um, revamp uh, whenever he came over to the Saints in 2006. Um, the Jaguars also picked up Bortles' fifth-year option, so he's going to be on the team through 2018, and that shows at least some promise that the Jaguars are still invested in Blake Bortles as their quarterback. They drafted Leonard Fournette, fourth overall, um, who's going to be now the new workhorse, workhorse running back. They still have TJ Yeldon, who is a uh, pass-catching option out of the backfield, not that Fournette isn't capable of doing that. So now they have two capable pass-catching uh, running backs. Um, so now the defenses are going to have to respect the run more than they did last year between Ivory and Yeldon, um, which is going to open up things more for the passing games. Um, defenses aren't 
are going to more likely going to try and stack the box to uh, stop Fournette and focus on Fournette and that'll open things up for one-on-one -on -one coverage for Blake Bortles when that wasn't really much of the situation last year. Um, as for his mechanics, he's worked with uh, Guru Tom House, who once again worked with Drew Brees. So he's got some Drew Brees um, coaching and help uh, currently in his corner. Um, he still has Allen Robinson with him. He still has Allen Hearns, who basically disappeared last year. He went from 10 touchdowns to 3 touchdowns from 2015 to 2016. Um, so with that production going up, um, along with the additions of Leonard Fournette, Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone is now the quarterback, or, or I'm sorry, the, um, the head coach. Um, still only 25 years old. He's currently going as a quarterback 22, which is absolutely insane. He has dropped um, into basically no man's land, going one spot ahead of Jared Goff, one spot behind Deshaun Watson, behind Tannehill. Um, he's two spots ahead of Alex Smith, three ahead of Joe Flacco, like, this, it's insane. He was a quarterback nine last year, and he was a top ten quarterback, I believe, in 2015 as well. Um, so he would be my my buy low um, as a nice QB two. Um, he's got some upside for really big time games, especially if the Jaguars are going to be losing. So he's going to be throwing. So he's my choice for my super flex underrated quarterback. Move on to running backs. My RB one. Um, is LaShawn McCoy. Um, it's not so much that he's he's underrated. Um, it's more that he is currently going at a discounted price compared to his production, mostly due to age. Um, he will be 29 when the season starts, or during the season, um, which a lot of Dynasty viewers view as, uh, you know, that age where running backs jump off a cliff and they're never heard from again. But in reality, for at least for elite running backs like Shady, um, the the cliff can be extended a couple years. Um, Demarco Murray currently is 29; he will be 30. We saw what we did la what he did last year. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is 31. You saw what he did when um, when he was 29. Um, AP is 32. You've seen what he did when he was 29, 30. Um, so so being 29 isn't necessarily the end-all be-all for running backs. Um, he is the workhorse for a run-heavy team in the Buffalo Bills. Mike Gillisley is now gone, so the touchdowns aren't going to be vultured as much. Um, he's also a very good pass-catching back out of the backfield, um, and you can currently buy him for a top uh, first-round pick. He's currently going one spot behind Fournette and two spots ahead of Christian McCaffrey. So if you're a team um, that is really looking to win now, and you need um, running backs, and you can just spend a, a first-round pick, 102, 103, um, instead of taking the chance on Fournette and McCaffrey and get top-five production at the running back position, assuming that um, McCoy stays healthy. Uh, he is an elusive running back, though, so um, you have that going for him, too, as well to extend his career um, age-wise and everything so as long as he stays healthy stays away from the ACL injuries and knee injuries and stuff like that he should be all right um, top five production at the very least um, so RB2 um, I have is Lamar Miller he's currently going as the RB15 um, if any of you follow me on Twitter you may have seen my giant Lamar Miller what rant 
it was uh, a three-page picture tweet on Lamar Miller. Um, so basically, to just reiterate what my tweets were, um, the problem with Lamar Miller last year was that when he signed with the Texans, everybody believed that he would be the overall RB1, given his uh, effectiveness and um, smaller workload in Miami. So he averaged nearly five yards per carry in Miami, but he was only given around 150, 200 um, carries a, a season. So he was barely hitting the 1,000 mark, but he was still finishing as a top 15 running back in fantasy. So they figured, um, well, naturally, if he bumps up to 250, 275, 300 carries, that 4.55 yards per carry is going to apply to him. He's going to be a 1,500-yard rusher on top of his pass-catching abilities out of the backfield. He could be a 2,000 all-purpose yard um, running back and be insane. Um, unfortunately, that, that didn't happen last year. Um, so he was automatically labeled as a bust um, when in actuality that wasn't really the case. His problem was scoring touchdowns. He only had five touchdowns last year as opposed to eight in the previous two years with the Dolphins. In 2014 and 2015, Lamar Miller finished as a PPR RB9 and RB5 despite having an average of 200 carries per year. Miller was very efficient with a lower workload, having a yards per carry of 4.4. His best season's yard per carry was 5.1. Last year, he averaged only 4.4 yards per carry, the worst of his career. With a drop in workload in 2017, like um, Bill O'Brien has said that he will probably get, um, from he had 268 carries last year. So a drop in workload to about 200, 225. Um, Miller, I believe, can become a more efficient running back the way he was in Miami. Um, with the decreased workload, maybe give him more spells. It might have been um, his durability. Maybe it was um, uh, like stamina, stuff like that. Um, He's also, like I said, a good pass catching back, but in 2016 he had the lowest yards per reception in his career on only 31 receptions, which was second lowest in his career, not counting his rookie season. Um, that was the Osweiler effect. So now I believe if he gets a nice bump in receptions to around 40-ish um, and gets over 300 yards receiving as well, that's not, um, it's definitely not with, out of range. That's less than 10 yards per reception, about um, 8 or 9. Um, the problem in 2017 again will probably still be scoring um, they drafted Dante Foreman and everybody knows that he's that big look at plant type bruiser back um, but I believe Foreman can at least help Miller um, he won't be he will be the guy for those third and ones he's not going to take over Lamar Miller's role he's going to be a complimentary back the problem with Dante Foreman is that he's probably going to vulture away those five inside the five yard uh, goal line rushes, um, assuming that the Texans get to the five-yard line. They didn't do that very much last year, so that hurt Miller again. Um, regardless, though, um, in 2015, Miller had 14 10-zone... Or in 2015, I'm sorry. Lamar Miller had 14 10-zone attempts to a JHI's 10. So that shows that he can be utilized inside the 10 along with another back who's utilized inside the 10. Even if those numbers switch, Miller still gets 10 10-zone uh, 10 uh, attempts for the season. Um, where he's able to beat Deontay Foreman is, like I said, his pass-catching ability. So um, all these things mean that Lamar Miller, with the drop in workload slightly, he can become back up to the more efficient running back that he was, um, and he's not going to be overtaken by Deontay Foreman. If anybody thinks that, you're crazy. 
because Lamar Miller is definitely the better back of the two, and he has shown it in the NFL as opposed to Dante Foreman had one great season in Texas. Um, I believe that with the decrease in workload, he can still be a solid RB2, like you are paying for him to be. You don't pay for him to expect to be the number one running back overall. That was the biggest problem with people's perception last year. So if you buy him as an RB2, he's currently going as the RB15 right now. Um, you can buy him for a mid to late first. Um, it might even be a late first if you get that rookie fever and that Lamar Miller guy was really, really sour on him last year, um, given his performance and everything. So if you can buy low, he's an RB2 with a great RB1 upside should he find the end zone more than expected. So all those reasons, that's why, for me, Lamar Miller is the RB2 on my roster as um, an underrated running back. To move on to wide receivers, uh, my wide receiver one is actually a, a receiver who finished inside the top 10 the past two years, but is currently going as the wide receiver 15 in May ADP. Uh, and that's Doug Baldwin. Uh, he is the favorite target of Russell Wilson. Last year he had 94 receptions for over 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. He finished as the PPR wide receiver eight. This was coming a year after the insane 14 touchdown year. Everybody knew that his touchdowns were going to regress, but actually his receptions and yardage went up, so it kind of canceled it out. Um, if he continues to have that sort of production, he's a top 10 wide receiver, at least a wide receiver one, uh, without a doubt. Um, I've noticed Dynasty Twitter, for some reason, still dislikes him. I think they're coming around on him, though, um, given what he was able to do last year, and he showed that his wide receiver one numbers weren't a fluke after 2015. Um, he will be 29 during the season, but given the production and his price as a mid-wide receiver two who has wide receiver one capabilities and has proved it and shown it, um, the price is well worth the production. Uh, wide receiver two, I have as Jarvis Landry. He's currently going one spot below Doug Baldwin as the wide receiver 16. However, Jarvis Landry doesn't have the upside that um, Doug Baldwin has. But as a wide receiver two, you don't need that upside if you have the upside in the wide receiver one. What I look for in a wide receiver two is somebody who can consistently get me a high floor on a week to week basis, is not going to kill me with putting up duds, and if he finds the end zone, great, that just adds more to a, um, to his weekly stats, and that probably means I'm going to wind up winning that week for sure, uh, given that other players don't bomb. Um, so the perfect player that, that does that for me in the wide receiver position is Jarvis Landry. Um, he finished as the PPR wide receiver 13 last year, wide receiver 11 in 2015. He's good for over um, at least 100 receptions a season. Uh, he finished with over that. Um, in 2015. Uh, he owns the record for most receptions in his first three seasons in the NFL. He's actually tied with Odell Beckham Jr., um, LSU teammate. Um, so that right there shows the el elite um, pass-catching ability that Jarvis Landry possesses in Miami. Um, he's also had over 1,100 receiving yards in his last two years, um, but his only problem is scoring touchdowns. He's never had more than five in a season. Um, but coaches in Miami, along with other things, have said that they want to involve him more in the red zone. Um, as much as I want to believe that, they've also said that J.J. is going to get 350 carries. Devontae Parker looks the best that he's ever looked 
uh, Leontay Carew is might not even make the roster, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they've been saying everything down there in Finland. So even without uh, an increase in red zone uh, targets, um, Landry is still capable of easily getting over 100 receptions for another 1,100 yards, and he's going to get his four or five touchdowns a year. So there's no reason to think that he's going to drop below um, a high wide receiver two. And he's currently going for mid to low wide receiver two pricing. Um, Twitter also, for some reason, doesn't like Jarvis Landry. I don't know why. Um, but he is, in my opinion, a borderline wide receiver one. He's going to have those weeks where he's going to find the end zone. And given that those weeks when he does find the end zone, um, he's already getting you that high floor of, you know, like seven receptions and for 80 yards um, a game. And so he's already given you that baseline, and if he gets that touchdown, that's just, you know, the cherry on top. My wide receiver three is uh, is actually Golden Tate. No idea why he's going as a wide receiver 29. Um, he's quietly had three consecutive seasons of over 90 receptions um, with the Lions. He finished last year as a PPR wide receiver 17 uh, with a stat line of 91 receptions for almost 1,100 yards and four touchdowns. Similarly to Landry, he won't score touchdowns, but he racks up catches and yards. I believe the most touchdowns he's ever had in a season was either six or seven. Um, regardless, though, um, he should see an increase in red zone targets, um, assuming the Lions don't re-sign Anquan Bolden, who had eight touchdowns last year, majority of those coming in the red zone. Um, even still, currently going as the wide receiver 29, this guy finished as a mid-wide receiver 2 last year and was even better than that in 2014 and 2015 he had over 90 receptions his problem was yards but he had um he was still a wide receiver two borderline wide receiver three um but he's currently going as a wide receiver 29 mid wide receiver three I, that doesn't make sense to me at all and for that reason he's um, completely underrated he is a big time buy low for me this off season i believe he's going to do exactly the same thing he did last year and for the pricing that he's going at I'll gladly take a mid-wide receiver two for wide receiver three pricing. Um, he's currently going behind Mike Williams, Devontae Parker, Tyreek Hill. He's only going one spot ahead of Dante Moncrief. Um, I would easily flip any one of those four players for Golden Tate in a heartbeat. Um, and if you can get a package, if somebody loves one of those players for Golden Tate, maybe plus, maybe like a second or third round pick, um, I'm all for it, especially if you can turn that into like Kenny Galladay or somebody like that all for it um so he's my wide receiver three um i also just as a shout out maybe this would be a, like a bench player um i wanted to give a shout out to demarius thomas um he's had five straight seasons of over 1,000 yards um his problem he's nearing the 30 age mark he might he might actually be 30 i didn't do much research on him before i just said this um but i know he's had five consecutive seasons over 1,000 yards um he's still the wide receiver one in denver and that team succeeds the most when they pass the ball. And he, Simeon had his ups and downs last year, but he wasn't a bad quarterback. Um, Paxton Lynch might get the starting job this year. We'll have to see on that one. But regardless of who plays quarterback, they're going to have to throw the ball, and they're going to have to throw the ball to Demaryius Thomas. Um, so I don't see anything changing um, with him not getting his 1,000 yards. He's currently going as a mid-wide receiver, too. Um, which I think is fair pricing. Um, I just think that he's underrated in the dynasty community 
and the fact that everybody wants these young shiny new objects and they're dismissing the guy who's done done it over and over and over again for five straight seasons um so i guess he's an honorable mention he'd be a bench player or maybe if i have a regular flex i could slide Golden tate to the regular flex add thomas in as wide receiver three um so yeah there's just an extra honorable mention for you um as for tight ends um kyle rudolph is my underrated tight end he's currently going as the tight end 13 um i was going to put eric ebron here um given my love for eric ebron that would have been my third lions player and actually rudolph is going behind eric ebron um in may adp and behind all three rookie tight ends which is weird given that he's coming off a tight end two overall season with uh, 83 receptions for 840 yards and seven touchdowns um Skeptics now might say, well, let's see him do it again. He's never really done that before. He's always been a three, 400-yard receiver, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I would attribute the 2016 season not so much as a fluke, but as the uh, as because of Sam Bradford. Um, Bradford's coming off the most accurate season of all time for any quarterbacks. Um, and given the way that he manages the game, um, Bradford... He's going to pepper Rudolph with targets. Um, he's going to get up there. Um, again, in uh, receptions, he's a first down monster for the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, for all you players in the Scott Fishbowl, he's a nice late round tight end target who's going to be a, a monster with first downs. I believe he was actually the tight end two last year in, in first downs as well. Um, and in Scott Fishbowl scoring for tight ends. Um, he's also a major red zone target. The dude's six foot six. Um, Nobody else on that Vikings roster is even going to come close to matching his height. And he's a mashup nightmare in the red zone. Um, so Bradford's just going to throw it up to him, and he's already got it. That's how he got seven touchdowns last year. Um, so I don't really see anything changing from 2016 to 2015. Um, he was a tight end two last year, and he's currently going as a tight end 13. Um, behind players like um, Ebron, all three. Um, rookies um everybody else kind of deserves to be above him i guess um he's going one spot ahead of delaney walker two ahead of jack doyle three ahead of martellus bennett um i just think kyle rudolph is just low he's underrated especially given the season that he's coming off nothing's really changing um you can say what you want about laquan treadwell's great summer um i don't really see him digging all too much into um Kyle Rudolph's workload. Michael Floyd's not going to do anything. He's not going to touch it. Dalvin Cook could maybe see a little bit of the targets, um, but I think if anything, he helps pull defenses um, to pay attention to him, which would open up more for Kyle Rudolph. Um, so that's my underrated player roster. Uh, to run through it real quick again, I have Matthew Stafford as my quarterback, Blake Bortles as the Superflex quarterback. LaShawn McCoy is the RB1, Lamar Miller, RB2, Doug Baldwin as the wide receiver 1, then Landry and Golden Tate as the 2 and 3, and to round it out, Kyle Rudolph as the tight end. Um, it's kind of a quick episode, but uh, it's kind of what I'm looking forward to do. Um, it's kind of these quick hitters and stuff like that, uh, get you the quick facts, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. You can find me on Twitter at amazehaze underscore dff. 
Um, check out all the DFF network, the Fantasy Fellows, and the Dynasty Warzone. Uh, they're pumping out great content each and every week. Um, check out the Devi Watch on Dynasty Football Factory. That's a great thing for all of you Devi players out there. Um, also, just constantly be in tune for the Dynasty Football Factory uh, uh, articles and stuff like that. We've added... Um, a handful of new guys and stuff. I know they're all eager to get their articles out. A couple of them already have their articles out, their first articles. Um, I've got a couple coming out here soon. And so just um, keep watch. Uh, stay tuned for more. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. If you guys, oh, by the way, if you guys have any questions, um, you can find the podcast at Fantasy Minute. Um, you can ask me any questions at MSAs underscore DFF, like I said. Uh, or you can email us at fantasyminute814 at gmail.com. Um, please, if you like us, leave a five-star review, um, nice comments, stuff like that. I'll read any of them that we get on the episode um, live for you guys to um, you know, brag about and say that you were on a podcast and everything like that. <laughs> so uh, thank you guys for listening so much. We'll be back next week. I might be able to do... Uh, an overrated players roster for you guys if you guys like the underrated players one um so stay tuned for this next week and thanks for listening see you guys